Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. Excited. been looking forward to this for quite some time. Very excited about this. And for those of you that are listening that aren't sure who, aren't sure who he is, well, you're about to find out. And this is an introductory question for you, but the comps, we ask this to everyone that comes on. Can you share with us your salvation testimony? Well, Brother Prater, it's a blessing to be with you. And thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak with you and, of course, your listening audience. And I'm always excited to be able to share, of course, okay. what, what Christ has done and uh, the great salvation, of course, that he has given to us. I grew up in Canada. My parents uh, immigrated from the Netherlands to Canada after the war. And so I grew up in what's called a, like a Christian reformed church a Dutch reformed church. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. A little bit, not much. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's kind of like a lot of the reformed Calvinistic churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard about God. I'm thankful I heard the Bible and, uh, heard the 10 commandments uh, every Sunday, but I never really heard a clear presentation of the gospel in that church. And I was the youngest of five. My brother and two of my sisters were born here in the Netherlands. And my youngest sister and I were born in Canada. And um, growing up in that church, um, I, I got, I kind of, I guess I got a little bit disgruntled or had a bad uh, view of, of religion or what I knew of Christianity. And I rebelled, I guess, when I was around 12, left home when I was 14 and got in with the wrong crowd and um just went down the wrong road you know had a lot of bad influences and uh wound it up wound up dealing drugs actually in calgary alberta canada and um there i heard the gospel through street preachers um i guess i did hear it you know in, mm-hmm. in a vacation bible school when i was young but yes sir but but these guys made it really clear you know i mean they were like uh you know as i'd heard the ten commandments every sunday these guys reiterated that and and, you know told me in no uncertain Mm -hmm. terms that i was lost without hope and without god in this world and well it didn't go over real well for me at you know 15 years of age 16 years of age in this in the lifestyle i was in so basically you know i I swore at those guys ripped up the gospel tracks and was just very obnoxious mm-hmm. toward them. But, you know, Colton, the wonderful thing is that um, what I came to realize later, you know, looking back on life, you realize, you know, these times where the seed of God's word was planted. And that's really what was happening in my younger years as well. In spite of the church, you know, the, the word of God got through to me. But then with these guys sharing the gospel, um, even though I didn't want anything to do with it at the time, when I laid my head to the pillow at night, mm-hmm. I was under deep conviction. And I remember at 16 years of age, you know, I wanted to live the way I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. My friends were those I shared my bad habits with. And, uh, you know, I, I prayed and I, uh, <laughs> I guess I prayed a prayer actually at 16. I said, mm-hmm. God, leave me alone. You know, I just I, I was so... Wow. Um, you know, troubled by the conviction of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. I just said, God, leave me alone. It wasn't like I didn't believe in God. I wasn't an atheist. You know, I knew he was there, but I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't, you know, want anything to do with him. And uh, God's a gentleman. He let me go down the road I was traveling on. A lot of guys I was hanging out with in those days died of, you know, drug overdoses, car accidents, who knows mm-hmm. what else. And, 
but God spared my life. I'm so thankful. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so about a year later, um, I went back to Vancouver where I had grown up. Um, and I was actually running from the police at that time because I had got busted on a, on a, on a, um, possession of narcotics charge and went back to Vancouver and I was going into the McDonald's on Granville street in Vancouver, November 28th, 1982, November 27th, sorry, 1982 mm -hmm. at about 10 yes. PM. And this drunk girl comes up to me and she says, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? You know, she's slurring her words. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, the last time I heard this was these street preachers in Calgary, but you know, uh, brother Colton, the weird thing mm -hmm. was, in Vancouver, when I was walking the streets there and whatnot that night, there was not one street preacher. There was nobody handing out gospel tracts. There was nobody standing there with a Bible hmm. preaching on the street. I, there was nobody around. And, and you know, at the time, I didn't think much of it. But later on, I thought, why did God have to use this drunk girl to ask this question? Because that is a question that I'd only heard from street preachers. You know, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And I said, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to hell. You know, that's where my friends are. I'm going to I'm going to party there, you know, and um, and I didn't really think too much more of it. I thought, you know, what's your problem? And I, I left there. Little did I know, though, about about four hours later, um, that question would really be ringing in my in my ears because and in my mind, because um, I came to a crossroads. There was a spiritual battle going on. I was with my best friend about three or four hours later. And he says, Stan, he said, you've gone too far down this road. I mean. We like our recreational drugs and whatnot as well, but you're mm -hmm. just uh, you're just gone too far with this. And, you know, I never I'd always been a guy that, um, you know, had everything I wanted. And even in those years and everything was going fine. But suddenly I realized that, you know, I'm I'm the only one, you know, in this situation mm -hmm. right now. My best friends don't want anything to do with me anymore. I've gone too yeah. far down this road. And. And if you, uh, so I was going to jump in front of a freight train right at that time. I, I had my mind set up. I was so lonely. I was, uh, you know, as the Bible says, I was lost without hope and without God in this world. And, you know, prior to that, when I was, you know, living the life and doing the things, everything seemed fine. But suddenly all of that came crashing down. Sin had taken me farther than I wanted to go, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it until that moment. And sadly, that's what happens with a lot of young people. And um, so at that moment, when I had my mind made up, God reminded me of several scriptures, you know, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And if I would confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I would be saved. And it was just those two verses. And there was no preacher there. There was it was, you know, two thirty in the morning, no one around. But I said, God, I said, I don't want to live this life anymore. And, and I believe I believe what the Bible says. And, and I just said, God, will you please forgive me? And, you know, it was just like Jesus wrapped his arms around me. And I knew that my sins were forgiven. I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go down this road anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I fell on my knees. I called on the name of the Lord and went, ran back to the nearest relative I had, which is probably about three miles from there. And my sister and brother-in-law, they were going to a little Baptist church at that time. And there they were on their knees in the middle of the night. By the time I got there three in the morning, they've been praying for me for over an hour. So, you know, God's in the, in the, in the, you know, God answers prayer and God, um, God's word is so powerful. And so the next day I got my whole family together. I apologized for the way I'd been living and, and asked them all to forgive me. I shared the gospel with them. And over the next several years, uh, two, my sisters came to, two of my sisters came to faith in Christ. Another later, my mom and dad came to faith in Christ before they passed away. So that was a great blessing. Mm -hmm. 
it's like a new I felt like a new baby starting my life yeah. all over again. I really understood what the Bible says, you know, what it means to be born again. Yeah. But, you know, I never uh, you know, you folks from especially from the states and whatnot, where you have churches in every corner, Bible, many places, even churches that preach the word of God and preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that way in the part of Canada where we were from. And so I had never been in a Baptist church or any other church, to be honest with you. So I began this search, you know, where do I go? You know, how, where do I go and, and how do I find God's, you know, direction? I began devouring the word of God, growing on my own as a believer. But I went to every different type of church there was in the lower mainland of British Columbia. And um, I, I couldn't find uh, really what I was looking for. I, I went back to the Reformed Church initially. And I realized, hey, you know, it mm-hmm. seems good in some ways because that's my background. That there's some Bible there, but I quickly came to realize that they don't preach the word, you know. So make a long story short, um, those guys back in Calgary that were preaching the gospel, they I found out later they were they were some uh, some guys from I don't know if they were missionaries, but they came up from mm-hmm. Ohio to preach the gospel in Calgary. And so that was a great blessing. I never found out who they were. You know, when I get to heaven, I can thank them. But in British Columbia, after I went to the Reformed Church and I went, you know, to basically every type of church there was, there was charismatic circles, evangelical mm-hmm. circles, found a little independent Baptist church in Langley, British Columbia. And um, Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples in Jacksonville, Florida, they had um, a man in, um, in Haines City, Florida, by the name of Dr. Hiltz. And he, um, he had uh, been working there with... Uh, with Pastor Mickey Carter for a number of years, wow. and he felt God calling him to come back up into Canada, and so he had been involved in Canada. But at the same time, uh, a young man from Texas went to British Columbia to bring the gospel, and my first pastor, who was a uh, native British Columbian, he came to faith in Christ through that uh, text that missionary from Texas, and later came to meet Doctor Hiltz, and so. Uh, that was the first independent Baptist church I went to. I never looked back. My wife and I, we were young with our first child in our 20s. We moved across the country to Toronto, um, uh, to Ajax area, attended Faithway Baptist Bible College. And um, at this, around the same time, my pastor from British Columbia got called to Ontario to um, plant a church that Dr. Hiltz was wanting to see um, that part of Canada reached with the gospel. And so that was a great blessing. We were involved in the church plant. And, um, you know, in, in, regards to, in regards to coming to faith in Christ, it was through the work of those American missionaries. But then moving on forward, you know, um, as far as, you know, knowing God's direction and guidance, it, it also was influenced through, through those that were involved in missions work. I still didn't know at that time what God would have me do, but I really saw the influence of missionaries in my own life. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What a blessing. And can you share with us building off of your salvation testimony, you kind of hinted around it there at the end, but how the Lord led you to answering the call to preach and then how the Lord also led you to move back to the Netherlands, which is where you're serving at now. Yeah, well, it was it was in the in the little church there in, in British Columbia where we had a, a, a group from Faithway service singers came through and they presented the ministry of Faithway Baptist Bible College. And of course, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but even prior to that, at 19 years of age, um, 
I felt God was calling me to preach, but I didn't have a church yet at that time, you know? So mm -hmm. I was looking and, and, and trying to find God's direction, but I came to realize later that you can't really know God's direction apart from a local church. I mean, we can be involved in mm -hmm. things, but of course we see in the Bible that God's, God's plan and pattern for this age is of course the local yes. church um, ministry. And so we need to be called. And as we see in Acts chapter 13, uh, called and then sent out through local church, through local church. So I was I was so thankful I found a local church and we went to um, Ontario to go to attend Bible college. And that was a local church ministry. It was a Bible college mm -hmm. that was led that was directed through a local church. And um, when we got involved in the uh, in the new church plant there in Ontario, I had no you know, I was like, this is great. You know, heaven on earth. I'm my best. My pastor's my best friend. You know, I'm living, I'm working five minutes from church. I'm living uh, in an area that I really like and everything was fine, you know. And um, and I thought this is this is perfect. You know, I had a nice I, I was working for a company I'd worked for for 12 years who allowed me to move across the country to attend Bible college. But then everything changed when we had a missionary come through going to Leeds, England. That was in, I guess, the fall of 2000. Mm -hmm. And he was an Englishman that was God was calling back to England. But every, you know, Brother Patter, every, every, um, every, um, every picture I saw, every video clip of, um, of the UK, I just saw the Netherlands in every shot. Cause I'd been over mm -hmm. here a couple of times when I was young, when I was 12 or when I was mm -hmm. uh, six and when I was 14. So my, you know, my grandparents, my open Oma were living here and, and my aunts and uncles and i thought hey it's a nice place to visit you know i always love cycling it's a beautiful country for that but i thought there's no way i'd want to live there you know and uh the missionary came through and he was telling about you know going back to the land of his heritage and god kind of stirred my heart in that and and then really just laid psalm 78 verse 7 on my heart where the bible says you know the the psalmist is speaking about israel oh. and um you know, so many things that God had done with the children mm -hmm. of Israel, miracle after miracle, manna from heaven, parting the Red Sea, and yet they forgot God so quickly again. And it really reminded me of the heritage of our of the country, the Netherlands, mm -hmm. you know, the first public to grant religious freedom to its people. Um, oh. And uh, the Baptists and other Bible believers were very instrumental in that with our first king granting him uh, financial help and whatnot to see the freedom of and the freedom of the Netherlands um, mm. from Spanish and Roman Catholic oppression at that time. And uh, God really used this country in a great way. Nine U.S. presidents uh, traced their history back to Leiden, the Netherlands wow. here uh, and mm. went uh, and were, you know, part of the, the group that went over um, then to Plymouth and then to um, to uh, to establish the new world there. And so. There's a great history, wonderful heritage, but the Dutch, uh, you know, they've forgotten that. And um, so Psalm 78 verse 7 is that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And so, you know, the greatest commandment, uh, you know, in the Bible, we can see many commandments in the word of God. But I always think of Jesus command, and that is to repent and believe the gospel. Amen. And, um, you know, that's what the Dutch people they understand their heritage. They're thankful for their past, but they've become. So when God um, called us back here, I thought reluctantly, I thought, well, I don't really want to go there, but if this is what God wants, 
you know, then, um, then we're willing to, you know, seek his direction and guidance. So we made a survey trip here with my pastor and three other pastors from Ontario, Dr. Hiltz at that time, who was our Canadian director with Baptist missions to forgotten peoples. We came over and, and we just saw the great need here. And that started the ball rolling. I think it was about 20, 21 months later, uh, after, after deputation, we were here in the Netherlands. Wow. So God was good. Amen. Now, how, how many God years is, have you been in the Netherlands now? We've been here 19 years now. Amen. That is wonderful. Yeah. God's been good. And, um, it's, um, you know, I'm kind of rolling off, um, knowing what, <laughs> knowing in advance what some of your questions are. I've mm-hmm. got ahead of myself a little bit. No, but, you're good. <laughs> yeah. So building off of that, then, uh, for our listeners, if you could describe to us what the, the Netherlands is like, the spiritual state, maybe some geography, the political scheme of things economically, because I'll be honest, most of the people that listen to this are from the U S and a lot of people, when they think of the Netherlands, they probably think of the wooden shoes. And that's probably about all they think of when they think of that country. So if you could just share with us, fill us in on what that country is like, that would be great. Sure. Uh, well, the Netherlands, uh, I think during the, you know, during the after the war, after America's uh, great involvement and help and liberation of Europe and especially also of the Netherlands, um, it became t- to be affectionately known as Holland as well, which is actually not the real name of the whole country. It's the name of two of our provinces. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people may think of Holland or think of the Netherlands, but um, sometimes they think of it as being a Scandinavian country, but it's not. We're bordered on the south by Belgium, on the east by Germany, and then on the north by the North Sea. So we're kind of just in the west. And then, of course, on the west, you got the, the Channel and then England on the west side of us. So um but yeah historically great religious liberty the a lot of a lot of jews um that were persecuted um came to the netherlands to find religious freedom and then throughout history since that time a lot of people think of the tolerance of the netherlands which for some of us as bible believers we think of that in a negative sense because we understand you know what came of that the first country to legalize homosexual marriage the first mm-hmm. country to legalize youth in asia the first country to legalize, um, uh, not really legalize, but decriminalize the use of drugs. And so for the, what they call the progressive people, you know, I call them regressive, but in any case, (laughs) they always use, they always use the Netherlands as an example. Look at this Western European nation that is so progressive and, and how well everything's going. But of course they only tell you one side of the story. Mm. You know, they don't tell you about all the, all the issues here, but underlying that, I mean, there still has been, um uh throughout history um pockets you know that have not bowed the knee to bail but the one of the issues is that you know most of the baptists that we call baptists that were still here in you know in modern times are those that came over after the second world war from from england and began to do um you know evangelistic work and church planning work here but they weren't really they didn't hold to Baptist distinctives and they did not, um, you know, doctrine uh, was not, was not as important to them in some areas. So uh, one example is in the, in the reformed churches, of course, they believe in covenant theology. This all comes out of Catholicism mm-hmm. as well, of course. And um, so they believe in, in it, they wouldn't admit it to it being baptismal regeneration, but they, you know, they, mm-hmm. they sprinkle infants. They sprinkle infants. So the Baptists, mm-hmm. they came over at that time, 
they would they would baptize believers, but they would also accept the infant baptism of those that had already been baptized. And so this created confusion in a lot of churches. And so when that happened, then, you know, what was the next thing that they would, you know, capitulate to? And so this is just a history in this country of, you know, this tolerance. Tolerance is a good thing back in, in you know, when we were, you know, the first country to grant religious uh, liberty to his people, the tolerance at that time in the early days was somewhat um, was somewhat governed by the word of God, maybe not as as tightly as we would like it to, but at least to a degree. You had tolerance on one hand, the Bible and the other, you know. But mm-hmm. what's happened now is we've seen tolerance run amok. And so that's why we had the legalized homosexual marriages, you know, all these other things I just spoken about. But uh, on the religious climate, you do have believers here, but you don't have strong Bible-believing churches because Mm -hmm. they have become, um, you know, they've tried to be so tolerant to everyone that they've lost their biblical distinctives. There's still some Bible there, and some of them to one degree or another, but of course, many of those Baptists and, and of course, the Reformed churches are all Calvinistic as well, which which obviously is a great problem. Myself, having been raised Mm -hmm. uh, in Calvinism, you know, I know that it's a it's a great enemy uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's right. it is it's rearing its it's rearing its head now. I've heard as well in in North America and amongst a, a number of churches as well, and so um, that has affected other areas of life here in the Netherlands, um, where politically, economically, we're doing very well. The country's always been a strong uh, economy in Europe for a small country. We're only you know, we're only about um, twice the size of New Jersey. We have a population of close to 18 million. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, very small country with a densely populated, um, the dense population within the cities. We still have a lot of farmland, actually, that was put into the Agricultural Land Reserve many years ago. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, so economically, they've they've done they've done better than say the southern European countries like you know Greece and and Spain and Italy that have had a lot of problems. Germany, of course, is much more powerful and is very it is the economic powerhouse of of Europe, Germany and France. But the Netherlands mm-hmm. has always done quite well, very diversified, very proficient in English. You know, were, was the world superpower in the 1600s, and they sent their ships all over the world, and actually they were. They had more, um, they, they were, they actually um, were um, in a battle with England at that time. Of course, England ended up taking a greater control. But yeah, so there's a wonderful history for a very small country. But because of that self-sufficiency as well, many people didn't see their need for God. You know, they, they became very humanistic. So I've always said the fastest growing religion in the Netherlands is humanism. I mean, hmm. it, it's really where, you know, most people don't even identify with with um christianity at all you uh, traditionally the south of the country was was roman catholic and the north was was reformed but you know what's happened now in our in our information age is that we have so many different influences um even in the independent fundamental bible believing baptists we have guys like steve anderson that are people are watching his videos and his poison is spreading uh, here mm-hmm. through the Netherlands. So it's just, you know, there's always one thing or another, but we understand that, you know, that doesn't trouble us because we know that God's, we just need to continue to preach the word. We need to stand 
on the truth of God's word, not just not follow, you know, what's coming down the pike. And so God has blessed in that way um, in our church where we've had a number of people that have come from all types of different backgrounds, um, you know, whether it be reformed background, whether it be people that were in, you know, Hillsong churches or, Mm -hmm. you know, secret sensitive churches, emerging churches, whatever the case might be. But thankfully, when people develop a hunger for God's word, then they're going to search for a church that stands on the truth of God's word as well. And so we're so thankful that, you know, God is calling out, you know, the ecclesia, yeah. the called out assembly. And uh, so that's a blessing. We're thankful for the work of yeah, God. And thank you for our- sharing that with us. Yeah. And now us as listeners can be able to better understand your country than the Netherlands. 